beautiful humans, welcome to the Lotus Minded Podcast. My name is Reina and I am your host. I am a yoga and meditation teacher, holistic nutritionist, spiritual mentor, and writer. This podcast is a sacred channel to hold space for stories of strength and hope. Together, we will explore how incredible human beings have alchemized their pain into their purpose. We will learn about the pathways that they took to turn their poison into medicine and how they share their unique forms of healing with the world today. This podcast is called Lotus Minded because lotus flowers, the most beautiful and radiant flowers, only blossom from dark and murky swamps. Authentic beauty only comes from moving through our pain and using it as fuel for deep healing, evolution, and service. We will showcase the various forms of spirituality, science, and psychology that humans have used for both personal and collective healing. We will demonstrate how to validate trauma without becoming a forever victim to it and reveal steps that you can take to adopt a mindset of compassion, faith, and growth. In other words, steps that you can take to become lotus-minded. Press play and allow yourself to learn, unlearn, and expand. See you on the other side. beautiful souls. I am back. My name is Reina. I am the host of this podcast, Lotus Minded. And I guess I said I'm back because it's been a little while. Um, The last time I uploaded an episode was April 7th and today is June 2nd. So almost two months ago. So it feels really, really good to be back. Um, I have talked about this briefly in the opening of past episodes, but I've been really struggling with um, an autoimmune type illness, um, a chronic illness. And for the last few months, I really had kind of like a dark night of the soul with it felt really, really, really sick. Um, And, you know, my main symptoms were just like debilitating fatigue, weakness, some nausea, stomach issues, other stomach issues. Um, So it made it very hard to function normally. Um, And I really had to go back to basics and kind of just do the bare minimum in my life, right? And as much as I absolutely love hosting this podcast I just did not have the energy for it at the end of the day um after you know working at my full-time job and yeah it's really all I could manage so thank you for your patience and your support and love um I'm definitely gonna do a solo episode next week about my journey with the chronic illness because luckily I made some pretty drastic diet changes. That's really all I've done so far and I'm feeling truly so much better. 
It's like my brain turned on in a way that it hasn't been on in 10 years. Definitely don't want to claim I'm cured or in remission or anything like that. Still definitely have a ways to go. But I feel just so much hope um, after seeing the improvements with the changes that I've made. And I'm working with an incredible team of doctors and healers and helpers and helpers. I don't know why. They're helping me. (laughs) And yeah, so I will definitely do a solo episode to like walk you through kind of my lotus journey, right? My journey with this illness. Um, I've been, you know, struggling with it, suffering for about 10 years. So it's been a journey of trial and error and different diagnoses and, um, finally feeling now like I know what's wrong with me and I'm on track with my treatment plan to healing. So stay tuned for that next week. Um, But for now, we have a really, really exciting episode ahead. I interviewed Chuck McGee III. Chuck McGee III is an incredible, incredible human. He is a breathwork teacher. Many of you may have read about him in the ultra-famous book called Breath by James Nestor because Chuck was one of James Nestor's breathwork teachers. Um, And you also may have heard him on Joe Rogan. So Chuck McGee is a type 1 diabetic and traumatic brain injury survivor. He's faced many personal personal health challenges and for years he searched for both practical and impactful ways to improve his health and reduce his symptoms. Six years ago, though, he was introduced to the Wim Hof method of breathwork. And after feeling the benefits and massive shift that this brought into his life, he switched professions completely and dedicated his whole life to helping others to discover their own power to help themselves through the breath. For the past six years, he's traveled worldwide studying different breathwork modalities. And after studying for weeks under Wim Hof himself, Chuck was the first American instructor to help lead the Wim Hof Winter Expeditions in Poland. And for the past three years, Chuck has been working in healthcare settings, applying foundational functional breath coupled with the Wim Hof method to help reduce chronic pain, anxiety, and depression. It's his goal to empower as many people as possible to heal through their own breathwork. Because everyone's physiology is different, however, Chuck knows that there's no cookie-cutter approach to optimal health, and he believes that, and that being said, he believes that functional breathing can positively impact everyone, and along with being a Wim Hof Method instructor, he's also a certified instructor in the Oxygen Advantage Method, in the XPT Perform, and as an XPT performance breath coach. Sorry for my word jumblings. Chuck clearly does so much um, for himself, for others, with multiple forms of breath work. And in this episode, we really get into all of it. This is a jam-packed episode in the best way possible. We talk about Chuck's childhood um, and Chuck's difficulties with Um, anger and also with all of his chronic illnesses and brain injury and how you know the pain in all of these different ways really brought him to 
desire healing and change and how he found that healing and change through the Wim Hof method, through other forms of breath work. We talk a lot about the Buteyko method of breath work, oxygen advantage, um, and how you can use these different forms of breath work to address the different um, maladies that you're facing. So Chuck talks about how the breath work really impacted his emotional addiction to anger, how it really impacted his type 1 diabetes that he was diagnosed with at 33 years old, how it um, is has impacted his recovery from a traumatic brain injury and how he's used really his brain injury, his autoimmune disease and the trauma he's faced um, and the repercussions that had on his life, how he's used all of this pain and turned it into his purpose, right? That's what this show is all about, how we turn our triggers into our teachers, our poison to medicine that we then can use to share with the world. And Chuck really embodies this. So um, I won't say much more because this episode really speaks for itself. Um, we also talk a lot about um, cold exposure. That's a big pillar of the Wim Hof method is breath work, cold exposure, and mindset. So we really dive into all three of those um, pillars and how they impacted Chuck and impact so many people throughout the world. So I think you're going to love this episode. Would love to hear what you think as always. It would truly mean the world if you could rate, review, and subscribe on um, Apple Podcasts. This really helps me to be able to reach more people, for the show to be able to reach more people who could use the message that Chuck has and that all of our incredible guests have so we can just spread more awareness about different healing modalities and about hope in general, right, and faith in general. Um, before we get into the episode, I quickly wanted to give my Lotus lesson of the week. If you're new or forget what that is, um, as I just, you know, talked about, right, Lotus minded, the whole idea is how we can learn to, um, look at everyday obstacles and see opportunities for growth. And, you know, in the last almost two months, there's been a lot of that, um, in terms of health, right? I really have, was in so much so much discomfort and intense, intense fatigue, but I really learned to surrender again and again and again and not to push myself, um, right, to back off, right, my podcast and other things that I didn't have the energy for so I could really prioritize my health and my healing and now I'm feeling better and I'll talk more about that in the next episode, but truly grateful Um, and just also surrendering to my difficult emotions. There's been a lot of difficult emotions the last two months um, in terms of my health, but also, right, last week there was the mass shooting in Texas. Um, There's so much pain in the world right now, and I definitely have felt that um, and have, you know, spent nights crying and, and just feeling super emotional and helpless and powerless. Um, but I've really allowed myself to feel those feelings and to turn them to, to allow them to kind of light a fire in me to really show up for myself and others so there's definitely actions that we can all take in terms of um you know voting and and being involved in politics to the degree that we can but also just coming back to basics and realizing if I take care of myself and I'm taking care of my loved ones and showing up for the people around me and spreading light and love and hope to people around me right like if everyone in the world just does that um hopefully 
right? This world is going to become more safe and more healing for all. So yeah, those have been my lotus lessons of the week. I think breathwork is a phenomenal way to take care of the self and others. I've definitely been doing multiple forms of breathwork in my recovery from my um, chronic illness over the last two months as well. Some Wim Hof, definitely a lot of Kundalini breathwork methods, Buteyko. Um, So yeah, let's get into it. Let me know what you think and I'll see you on the other side. Thanks for having me. Absolute pleasure to be here today. So grateful to have you. I'm so excited to chat with you. Um, I'd love to start by you just introducing yourself to the audience. So who are you? Where do you live? And what do you do in the world today? Well, um, as you went over, my name is Chuck. I am a breathwork instructor and I live in California in the foothills of the Sierra Nevadas near Sacramento. I've got three awesome kids. I think the first thing I would define myself as is like a husband, a dad. Um, but breathwork is my passion. I, I was a bartender for 16 years. I worked in the theater and film industry. That's what my master's degree is in. And one day into the bar comes a customer who would not stop babbling about this thing called the Wim Hof method. And he was, you know, too intoxicated for me to serve. And the only way he'd leave is if I promised to look it up. So I looked it up, I did the breath work that night, I felt amazing, and I've been diving down this rabbit hole for six years now because of that one random drunk person talking about the Wim Hof method years ago. <laughs> it's amazing. I've heard you say like that was like the best thing cocaine ever did for you. <laughs> it is, it is. It's, I, I like to say that's the story of how cocaine changed my life. Thankfully, I was yeah. the one who had to do it. <laughs> yeah, amazing. Well, so excited to dive more into your story and to hear about, right, how Wim Hof has changed your life. For those who don't know, Wim Hof is one of the pioneers in the breathwork movement, and he has a method called the Wim Hof Method, which we will dive super deep into in this episode. So I would love to start by hearing a little bit more about your journey and your story from pain to purpose, as we like to say here. Mm -hmm. um, I'm curious, like going back in time a bit, where did you grow up as a kid? Um, what was your childhood like? Um, anything from there that you feel you want to share? Sure. Well, I, you know, for the first decade and change of my life, I got to grow up in an amazing place called Moss Beach. It's near a town called Half Moon Bay outside of San Francisco. Um, the surfers in the world may recognize it because that's where Mavericks is. And no, I've never surfed Mavericks. I don't have a death wish. Um, but... <laughs> Growing up there, um, from about 6 to 12, I had a really rocky, rocky childhood. It wasn't any fault of my parents or my family. It was, you know, abused by a friend of the family kind of thing. Mm. And then we moved up to Humboldt County when I was 12. And, I mean, just the natural beauty of that place is incredible. But for years, I was never able to shake off that anger and that mm -hmm. rage. And even in bartending, um, the physical violence, you know, drunk people get a little punchy sometimes when you tell them no. The physical violence is how I was adapting to that pain and discomfort. And then, you know, um, nine years ago, I became a type 1 diabetic. I had the chronic pain from my injuries, uh, four car accidents, two motorcycle accidents, and uh, a bevy of altercations in the bar. And life just wasn't 
it wasn't fulfilling. I was stuck in a rut. I was stuck in, in just repeating the same day again and again and again. And it was, it was really heavy on my head. And that gentleman who came in talking about the Wim Hof method, I don't know if he realizes it gave me a path out of it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, by, by finding there were things I could do that weren't angry, that weren't aggressive, that were actually helpful and constructive. Um, it gave me an, an understanding that it doesn't always have to be that way. And I didn't just have to subsist and survive. I could thrive. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I loved working in the theater and I love working in the bar, but I'm glad I don't do that anymore. It, mm-hmm. it wasn't the healthiest of places to be. It wasn't the healthiest mindset to, to be inundated with that all the time. Mm-hmm. So without those things in my life, though, I wouldn't have the perspective I have now. Without being a diabetic, I wouldn't understand how autoimmune diseases, though invisible, can wreck someone's life. Or you can use it as the motivation to you know, live a better life, um, mm-hmm. if you can, if, if your illness allows it. Uh, if I didn't have the, uh, a traumatic brain injury from a car accident four years ago now, I wouldn't understand how, you know, how just terribly impactful a brain injury can be on your life Mm -hmm. so without these hiccups without these bumps in the road i wouldn't have the understanding i do today so it may seem like i'm glossing over all of it but you know i value those experiences but practicing what i do and learning what i do um and and keeping learning i've learned i can keep the lessons and leave the pain i don't Mm -hmm. need to be held prisoner by those experiences anymore and now they're just a piece of the puzzle that makes up the entirety of my life. And when you're not mm-hmm. focused on the bad, there were a lot of beautiful things that happened even during those times where, you know, they, they may have been a darker time in my life. There was just so much beauty and joy. And in coming to terms and accepting that, I'm beginning to see just how much was there and provided. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, thank you so much, Chuck. That's a beautiful perspective. And I really appreciate you sharing all of that. Um, so much good stuff. I mean, I have had a few concussions, really bad TBIs, so I really want to get into that, right? Because I <laughs> totally get how that can totally wipe you out. My um, stepbrother has type 1 diabetes as well. He was diagnosed at 27, so a lot of questions there. I have chronic illness, so there's definitely a lot I want to get into in those right physical paths. But again, I think for me, I am so grateful for those experiences. Although they were so hard, they brought me to new ways of healing that have just enhanced my life so much. So I totally, you know, identify with that. But I am curious, such a huge part of Wim Hof's method, right, is mindset and really rewiring your nervous system to be drawn to positive healing things for you, right? And I'm curious, you mentioned like in childhood, right, suffering from some abuse and then your nervous system was kind of attracted to like more angry, aggressive environments like the bar. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I'm curious if you can speak to how you kind of like that and how you rewired your nervous system to crave the healthier lifestyle. I still crave the violence. It's not gone. It's, it's, I mean, there's people out there who will understand this. I was addicted to it. I was addicted to that Mm -hmm. release. I was addicted to the adrenaline and, and the, 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 you know, your life is in danger. If someone hits you wrong and you go unconscious and drunk people are swinging at you, they're not going to stop when you fall down. Um, so it was living in that moment and living on that hair's breath that just gave me that, that, ah, 
okay, there it is. There's life again. Mm-hmm. And now instead of, you know, I don't, I wouldn't say crave is the right word. I just choose not to let that be my focus. I, mm-hmm. I have, I have changed my focus to healthier outlets, um, healthier ways of dealing with aggression. And for so long, I was taught that aggression, anger, depression, anxiety, they're all bad, mm-hmm. but they're not bad. They're just emotions. They're just transitory states that as human beings, yes, we can experience them. And the more we fight them, the worse they're going to be. The, the biggest change for my mindset came by practicing um, something called ACT. It stands for Acceptance and Commitment Therapy or Acceptance and mm-hmm. Commitment Training. And it's okay to fail. It's okay to have hiccups. It's as long as you are trying to live a psychologically flexible life rather than a psychologically mm-hmm. rigid one. And you can focus on the choice points. Now, I have a choice to be rigid and stressed out and, and you know go down those old patterns. Um, or I can choose a different path. And it's, it's in that having a choice, which I never thought I had before, that really gave me that sense of freedom. Moving into the uncomfortableness of an ice bath, facing the stress that comes up while you're doing breath work, and doing that consciously every day. So now that I train myself to mm-hmm. move into the uncomfortable spaces of the cold, when outside stress happens, I already know to calm my breath because I've been practicing with it. No one ever told me mm-hmm. that I can practice for shitty situations when I'm not having a bad day. And, and to hone those mm-hmm. tools and to find those tools. So as much as I love the Wim Hof method as part of breathwork, it is just one tool in the breathwork toolbox. Right. There are so many tools out there that we can practice, that we can use gratitude. Not toxic positivity, but actual gratitude for waking up and being alive every day mm-hmm. and getting to experience what life has to show us. To move into the uncomfortableness of, of maybe doing breathwork and crying, shouting, laughing, giggling, whatever happens that day. To, to move into the ice and, and to sit there consciously and to let that stress just pass right through me, it's given me the superpower that when things come up in my life that are stressful, unless you're my kids, I can really just let it go. <laughs> I'm like, my kids are magic. They're, they're 10, 12, and 1, and, and they can still push my buttons like nobody's business. But mm-hmm. I think that's their job. And I, I love them very much for it. <laughs> I'm sure you do. Yeah, I love all of that um, so much. Thank you for that perspective again. And so I'm curious now, kind of pivoting to when you were a little bit older and you were diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. You said you were 33, mm-hmm. um, or I read you were 33. Yep. Um, so what was that like? Up until that point, would you have said you like were a healthy person? You felt healthy um, physically? Overweight a little bit, but healthy. I love hiking. Mm-hmm. I love going out and doing things. And they're still not quite sure what happened. Um, mm-hmm. There's there's some guesses around it. They think it could have been mold. Mm-hmm. Um, I lived in Humboldt County, which is a, a, a temperate rainforest. And I'd lived there for a very long time. And, you know, to my understanding, mold doesn't ever leave the body. It just kind of builds up. And mm-hmm. when it hit a, it hit a a point where it was too much for my body, it shut down my pancreas. And I actually feel incredibly fortunate that it only hit my pancreas. I have friends who are deaf. I have friends who have IBS, Crohn's, MS, lupus. And the only connection between all of those autoimmune illnesses, even the deafness is the mold that was in their home. Mm -hmm. It was, it was at toxic levels. 
And so when I was diagnosed as a type one, just recently, like months ago, um, my dentist discovered I had two abscesses in the front of my mouth. And oh. they, they, yeah, that causes a lot of, of, you know, complications and inflammations with the body. And they think I've had it for like 10 years, which is right around oh, wow. how long I've had type one diabetes. They think with the abscesses, with the mold in my body and the fact that I got a really bad version of the flu because I lived a very stressful lifestyle, my body just got angry with me and became a, it, I, my pancreas stopped working overnight. Mm -hmm. And my wife looked at me the day I was diagnosed and said, this could be the thing that crushes you, or this could be the thing that teaches you to turn your life around. And this is mm -hmm. where your choice lies. So she's always been my biggest cheerleader. She's, she's been trying to teach me gratitude, even though I've been too kind of wool headed <laughs> to pick up what she was doing. And she's, she really, I wouldn't say effortless, effortlessly, but she tirelessly practices gratitude. She practices things like act and, and looks for the benefit, even in these dark situations. And after my brain injury, she said the same thing. This could be the thing mm -hmm. that crushes you and ends it, or you can turn it around and use this. And with that type of help, with that type of cheerleading, it, it makes it so much easier mm -hmm. to move forward. Absolutely. So, you know, if people are out there and you feel alone, reach out, ask your friends for help. They're, that's what they're there for. I mean, and if you don't have a friend group, excuse my language, fuck those people and find people that will support you. That's what the mm -hmm. internet's for. Like, don't go to <laughs> nasty chat rooms. Find the others. They are out there and they're willing to help. Like if you have a head injury, there's inspireothers.org. It's this amazing website that a neuropsychologist in uh, UK is putting forward. My story about my head injuries on that site. And there's multiple other people with neurological disorders and head injuries just telling our stories mm -hmm. to help, you know, you're not alone. So it's, mm -hmm. you're not alone is the biggest thing I want to tell everyone out there. Even if you feel alone, you're just apart from other people. Mm -hmm. There are others who are going what you're going through, who've been through what you're going through and who are willing to help. And you just have mm -hmm. to find them. In, even if you don't feel like looking, it's the most helpful thing you can do is find that support group. I would have never recovered the way I had if I didn't have as many people helping me as I did. Mm -hmm. I would have, I would have, quite honestly, I probably would have ended my own life if I tried to do this alone. Yeah. And... Yeah. The others are amazing. Yeah, I mean, I think it's right essential when you're going through a trauma or, or something so impactful in your life, you need to find others who are going through it and who have been through what you're going through so they can show you, right, yes, this is really shitty right now and I, I hear mm -hmm. your pain and it's not fun and like this can be something that brings you to your purpose, right? This could be something that changes your life in a really incredible way. Um. Well, even if it doesn't change it in an incredible way to acknowledge just that it will change your life and yeah. you can, you can make the choice as, as I was given and it's not always this black and white, but you can let that choice crush you or you can let that choice give you a, a stronger purpose or you can just subsist and deal with it and try and take a pill and, and, you know, just try and push the symptoms away. That's really not dealing with it. That's, yeah. that's just trying to push it aside for a little bit. And that's not, I've never found that to be helpful. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm curious when you were first diagnosed, 
I know, I think I read in um, the James Nestor breath book that you were suffering a lot of like chronic back pain and you're, you were having a lot of mood fluctuations. What like other symptoms were you experiencing at first? Oh man. The, so with, with my master's degree in theater and film, I'd never, I mean, I, I'd gotten angry, but that was by choice. I would allow myself to step into that state um, when in a physical altercation, but I'd never had my emotions be completely out of my control. Mm -hmm. And that was terrifying to, I'd, I'd never suffered from depression or anxiety before ever. Mm -hmm. And having diabetic induced depression was, it was a game changer. Like I had to learn how to communicate with my wife again. I didn't, realize you know i i was one of those assholes that if someone was depressed i was like just come on let's let's just go let's do something not realizing mm -hmm. that depression is one of the few illnesses that's so vile that while you're depressed you don't necessarily want to stop being depressed it's hard to find that motivation and mm -hmm. i had an amazing therapist who explained to me what the function of depression was and he changed my relationship with it. And I didn't know depression had a function. I just thought it was this nasty thing that messed with your body. And mm -hmm. if I ask you to hold a 10 pound weight at arm's length away from your body, you could probably do that for a while. But maybe after two hours or three hours, your arm's gonna fail and you're gonna have to drop that weight. Depression is that function for the mind holding too much weight and stress. Mm. It forces the release and it does it in, mm -hmm. an, <laughs> in probably not the most desirable way. And unfortunately, what most people do while they're in a depressive state is try and think their way out of it, mm -hmm. which is the opposite of what your mind wants. It wants less thinking. It wants less input. So really going to a dark room, doing some slow, calming breath work, taking a nap, is kind of in order. Reduce that yeah. stimulus. Trying to figure out why you're depressed while you're depressed is like sending a drunk text at 2 a.m. You think it's a good <laughs> idea, but it never works out like you think it's going to work out. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah, I, I love that description of it. There's There's a function to it. There's like I believe, right, there's like a wisdom to every emotion. They're serving a purpose in some way. And it's never about, like you said, pushing them away or trying to quote unquote fix them or make them go away. It's about like creating the space where they can just be there and to serve their purpose. Absolutely. And too many people are like, I just want to be happy. That's an extreme emotion. Like Totally. And if you're depressed and you want to be happy, that's the other end of the emotional spectrum going back and forth. That is exhausting. That's tiring. Yeah. So why not just work on being balanced, on being mm -hmm. able to, you know, observe and appreciate any emotion that comes forward to give them their space. And if they're one that you really enjoy, revel in it. And if it's one you really don't want, you still have to experience it and let it pass. But if you try and fight it all day long, at the end of the day, you're exhausted and it's going to hit you even harder and it's going to totally. last even longer. And that's where ACT has been such a boon to my life is, mm -hmm. you know, it was one of the first times I read that it's okay to be mad. It's okay to have all the emotions. It's okay to feel them all because that's what makes us human. Totally.
and and feeling them for a moment, but you know, not making a stupid choice while you're angry. That's mm-hmm. that's where the benefit comes in. It's right. okay to be mad. It's not okay to act out of hand because of it. And well, I don't know why I feel compelled to say this right now, but if you've had bad experiences in your life, or and this is to anybody listening, that's not an excuse to be an asshole. You don't ever get yeah. to say, well, this happened to me. I get to be mean. No, no, you're choosing to be mean and you're using that as an excuse. Mm-hmm. So many people deal with so many awful things and they're not jerks about it. Mm-hmm. So I, I have no idea why that thought popped into my head, but it was there and I felt compelled to say something about it. A hundred percent. And I think, right, like the message I always really try to get across to people and why I started this podcast is to show, right, it is like essential that you learn to accept whatever emotions you have, to accept whatever awful circumstances you went through. But with that acceptance and feeling it, you're less likely to act on it and harm other people, right? Um, it's about learning to, to hold space for it and tolerate it without then trying to get rid of it by putting it onto others. I mean, one of my favorite quotes is keep the lesson, leave the weight. Mm, mm-hmm. You don't need to let it weigh heavy on your heart. And that may take years. That may take decades, or you may just be over it the next day. And, and you can't hold yourself to a different standard as to, well, they, they went through this and now they're doing fine. Well, you don't know what work they did. You don't know what right. work they're still doing. They're fine right then, right there. Right. They may not be fine later, and they may. I hope they've given themselves permission to not be fine later, mm-hmm. and, and to have that that moment. It's like grief. My mm-hmm. my grandmother passed away years ago. Do I still cry about her sometimes? Absolutely, less often, mm-hmm. but sometimes. And from the things right. that happened in my past, like people say, would you go back and change anything? No, I wouldn't Mm -hmm. because all of that stuff made me who I am today. And through lots of work, I actually like who I am today. Mm -hmm. And if I had to go through that to be who I am now, well, then that's what happened. And other people Mm -hmm. may not have to. And that's, I'm awesome. Whatever journey you're on is the journey you're on and you can't change what's been done. You can't. Mm -hmm. You can wish it away. You can you can want it. And a lot of people out there are stressed out and they're upset with the world. And I'd like to point out, is your upset, does it have to do with the fact that the world isn't meeting what expectations you're setting? A lot of people, I want it to be this way. I want it to be that way. And they're mad that it's not. Well, like accepting your emotions, observing your emotions, have you accepted what is? Mm-hmm. And within what is, what can you affect? And usually the only thing you can affect is your breath, your reaction, and your outlook. That's it. Everything else is ancillary and out of your control. I have a one-year-old. I'd like them to stop doing some stuff and they're going to keep doing it anyway because they don't care what I want. Yeah. <laughs> I have a 12-year-old. Hey, can you not do that? They're going to do it anyway because they're their own person and I can't control it. But if I were to hold my worldview on what they should be, instead of accepting them for who they are, I diminish both of us. Mm-hmm. And I, I fail yeah. to see the joy and majesty that's in life every day. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, a thought that's coming to mind from what you just said is like people 
get addicted to living in a victim consciousness. Mm -hmm. And, you know, maybe they were a victim of something as a child or right at, at one point, but they, instead of like processing that and moving through it and growing from that experience, they, they stay stuck in this victim mentality of that everything's happening to them and they can't control anything. And until, right, we take responsibility for our lives and our thoughts and our breath and our actions, right, we're going to be stuck in this constant feedback loop of victimhood and, and pain. Well, I mean, they almost have it right. They say everything's happening to me. No, everything's happening. Period. Right. I have no control over it. Correct. Now, accept the fact that no one has any control over anything <laughs> and realize it's not personal. Yes, the experience you had in the beginning, the, the abuse, the, the trauma, that was personal. The guy cutting you off in traffic, that's not personal. You don't exist in his world. He doesn't know who you are. The person getting mad at, 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 you know, say you work in customer service, they're not getting mad at you. They're getting mad at your job. And you chose to take it personally because they said awful things. Mm -hmm. Things are happening and you choose to make it about you. And mm -hmm. that's where the victim mindset lives in that rigid world. Well, this happened mm -hmm. to me. Oh, the world's out to get me again. No, it happened. And you chose to get pissed off and hurt about it. That's mm -hmm. your choice. You don't have to choose that. You, yeah. you can go, oh, well, that happened. And I just happened to be the one to experience that today. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think you'll like this quote I heard, or maybe you won't, but it's, I'm not responsible for my first thought, but I'm responsible for my second thought, right? Like we can't yes. always control our first initial reaction, but we do get to control the second one. Exactly. And, and the more you train with a healthy stress, the more you step into, you know, feeling what these emotions are like and practicing, the easier it is to control that second thought. Mm -hmm. And totally. it just, it takes practice. And, you know, one of my favorite uh, quotes comes from an old 1960s Kung Fu manual. If you practice this every day, you will be able to um, never be touched by another man's weapon. This comes with mm -hmm. much practice. Mm -hmm. And it, it like you can do amazing things with much practice. Right. I, I mean, someone will be like, well, you advocate nasal breathing for sports. I do. But that's an eventuality, not a today. If you can't walk down the street without breathing through your mouth, why would you expect you can breathe athletically with your nose? Yeah. My, my dad tells me this every day. <laughs> <laughs> And you have to put in the work and as mm -hmm. distasteful as it is, you know, you have to work with the shadow, but you know, the darker the shadow, the brighter the light that shines on you to create it. Totally. A hundred percent. Okay. So I want to go back a little bit. So you were diagnosed with diabetes. This also like prompted your first experience of having depression, anxiety, um, right pain, chronic pain. And I know you you had taken a lot of, you had been prescribed a lot of medications to kind of manage all of these types of pain. Um, oh, yeah. And you were still working at the bar at this time, right? Yep. I stopped working at and the bar six years ago, 2016. Okay. So you were going through all of this and working at the bar at the same time. And then this and, customer and came in. And in the theater world. Yeah. And in, yeah, what did you do in the theater world? Were you acting? Audio engineer. Cool. 
sound guy. So a lot of like high intensity jobs. Yes. And I'm curious also, like just to go back to the shadow. I I think sometimes, right, when we have a shadow that we're not looking at um, and all of this pain, right, we, we can kind of try to numb that with like maladaptive coping behaviors. Like, for example, for me, I've been sober almost four years, but for a while I used drugs and alcohol constantly to like numb this this psychic pain. For you, were there any forms of like coping mechanisms that you had in that time that were the healthiest? Violence. Yeah. I was addicted to violence. Right. The, the, the rush I'd feel when someone would punch me was, yeah. it's indescribable. And the freedom I then had to retaliate mm-hmm. was also addictive. Um, I would say, you know, people out there, I wasn't the, the violent bartender or the violent um, bouncer. 99.9% of the time, I would be calm, I would be collected, and I would de-escalate the situation. But if someone hit me, that that oh, that release that that hit gave me was mm-hmm. addictive. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, if you're you're out there with security and three or four guys are coming after you, the the flow state of being able to see punches coming at your face, someone trying to hurt you, like that heightened awareness of living on the nice edge of like, you know, am I going to make it through this one? That's what was addictive about it. And yeah. living in those moments, there was no pain. There was no stress. Yeah. There was only right then, right there, right now. And my reaction to it and my reaction had to be fast or I'd probably go to the hospital. And right. that that's about as maladaptive as I could think. Now, I, yeah. I never took it out on my family. I never took it out on my friends, but it it could have gotten to that point if I hadn't found another way. Totally. And thank you for sharing that perspective and experience because I share a lot about how, right, my struggles with drugs and alcohol and how that was my solution for a while. Like you said, it was like this flow state where I did feel present and okay in the moment and was addicted to that feeling. Um, but I, like, it can also be through violence, right? It can be through food. There's t- limitless ways to kind of numb that pain that's underneath. Mm-hmm. Um, so in Buddhism, there's like this saying called like a Satori moment. So that's kind of like a breakthrough moment where you like have enlightenment or, or you realize a truth. And you can have obviously many of these throughout your life. I hope to have them all the time, not just once. Um, <laughs> But so I know you were right. You were working at the bar um, in theater in pain going through your diabetes. And then you had this customer come in, like you said, and, and tell you mm-hmm. you have to look at the Wim Hof method. And then so I'm curious, was that experience of first finding the Wim Hof method like a mini Satori moment or a major one? Would you say like a breakthrough? Not at first. Okay. It was just this thing that made me feel better. And I wasn't as aggressive. I didn't, Mm -hmm. I was finding, I was de-escalating almost every situation. And it, it, it wasn't quite the breakthrough moment until I went to the advanced training. Um, I didn't realize, I just saw advanced training meet Wim Hof and I went, yep, doing that. And I get there and they say, welcome to instructor training, but pardon this is, this is, we have a wait list. Are you sure you want to do this? No, and I don't know. Hold on. And I walk over and Wim Hof is sitting there playing a guitar, uh, being himself. 
And <laughs> I said, you know what? Uh, I just wanted to thank you, sir. Um, I, I've been practicing your method for six months. I'm off blood pressure medication. Uh, I don't take Valium anymore. I'm taking less insulin. And I'd just like to thank you for helping me do that. And he looked at me and said, I didn't do shit. You did all the breath work. I just showed you how to do it. You're the one who took responsibility for it. Thanks for trying something new out. And I'm glad it was helpful. And I walked over to his daughter, Isabel, who was checking people in and said, yeah, I want to be an instructor. And it was simply because Wim, he took the compliment, but he, it, they then went on to explain it's not about the instructor. We show mm -hmm. people the way and you can do it or not. The choice is yours. So to not have to make it about me, to not have to share my story if I don't want to, but to show people how to step into that stress and to come out stronger on the other side and just to watch people step into their own power, that is the most addictive drug I've ever experienced. Mm. Watching mm -hmm. someone who's lived in fear, who's lived in stress, who's telling a story about how the ice is going to be impossible. And for all of you out there who tell a story, where are you stopping? Most people who tell me a story about how the ice is difficult, tell me a story and they're still sitting in the ice in the story, but it has an end. You get out. You get out. Mm -hmm. When you're depressed, it will end. Maybe not as soon as you want, but it'll end. The pain, you can do things to lessen it. And if you're in chronic pain, I have two compressed discs in my spine. It'll never go away, but I can do things to make it not as, you know, a, a big of an influence in my life. Mm -hmm. So my, my big Satori moment came when I decided I wanted to be an instructor and I, I wouldn't say I let myself cry, but I cried at the master training that November for an hour straight. And I, I could not remember the last time I let myself even have that type of emotion in public mm -hmm. and, and to just basically ball and, have that group around me supporting me without judgment was that was the moment where I was like, this is my tribe. These are the others. Mm. This is what I need to do for the rest of my days. Yeah. Um, that was that first moment. I've had many more afterwards, but that was the one mm -hmm. that was like, now you are on a different life path. You yeah. are not going to do any of the stuff you did before. Yeah. And I haven't, I haven't looked back. That's been my only job since 2000, at the end of 2016. I, I haven't done anything but teach breathwork. That's amazing. And I've heard you tell a story where like you, you asked your boss at the bar for a raise and he said no. And then yeah. you quit. Yeah. <laughs> or you went on a training for a weekend that I, I was busy at the bar. I training for Wim Hof. He said no and you're replaceable. And so I booked a busy weekend to go do advanced training. If he hadn't yeah. said no, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. Yeah. Another example, right? Something that's frustrating at first can be your biggest gift. And so were you nervous making that career pivot at first? Oh, well, I made good money in the bar. Anyone right. who's ever worked in the service industry, when, you, when you're a bartender, you leave with money every shift you work. Right. Every shift you leave with enough to pay your bills. Breathwork, no one, besides like Dan Brule and Wim, no one was really making a living doing breathwork. And some members of my family were like, I don't know if this is the right choice. And I was like, there's no other choice. We've got to do this. And 
it, it took it took a bit of grinding. I'd saved up some. I went through most of my savings before I started making a profitable business out of this and being able mm -hmm. to support myself and pay all the bills. And I think the reason I was successful is I didn't have anything else to fall back on. It was sink or swim. And because, you know, I had two young children, I was married and, and we were like, okay, here we go. Let's let's do this new thing and hope it goes well, because if it doesn't, I don't want to go back to the bar. And I, with that, with that weight, with that motivation, I've never had to. Mm -hmm. And will it be the same for everybody? I can't say that. I wish it was. I wish, you know, you could quit your job and start your new path and it all works out. But I was very fortunate. I, mm -hmm. I, I met some amazing people. I was fortunate enough to meet James Nestor. I was fortunate enough to be referenced in his book. I, mm -hmm. I was fortunate enough to have Casper Rendemulin be my instructor in the academy. And now he's one of my mentors and good friends. Like, I'm, I'm very lucky that I was able to find my tribe and with them find the help to make my business as successful as it is. Mm -hmm. And the hardest part I had in the beginning was charging people. Mm-hmm. That was hard, but to, to come through the fact that, you know, I'm not charging for the information, I'm charging for my time because sure. everyone has bills to pay. That's that's how I made it quantifiable in my mind that it's okay to do that. Yeah. And, you know, before we started recording, you said I'm not money motivated, right? You're very service motivated, but I, I appreciate you like balancing that with, right, like you still have bills to pay and, and children and a family and your time is valuable. Well, not being money motivated doesn't mean I don't like money. It just means if I have a customer offering me an amazing payday and I don't like the principles or values they possess, the payday is not going to get me to say yes. Mm. I, I, I don't believe in compromising on my principles. They're mm -hmm. always evolving and my values are always evolving. But there are certain things I hold as my core values and I won't compromise on those. Yeah. So if, if you're a business and you're like, I want you to teach my people to be more resilient so I can give them more work, you can go fuck all the way off. Like, <laughs> I'm not going to help you. Um, but if you're like, hey, my employees are getting burned out. They're really stressed out. I'd like to give them something to release a little bit of the stress so that they can have a better quality of life. Absolutely. And if you can't pay me as much as the other guy, that's fine too. We'll, we'll yeah. work something out. And... Mm -hmm. You give value, you get value. I, I, mm -hmm. I collect quotes. And one of my favorite quotes I heard when I was in my 20s, um, holy crap, that's 20 years ago, was if, if all you do is worry about money, all the universe is going to send you is money worries. Mm. So I instead of trying to do my job to earn money, I do my job to provide an excellent service and money happens. And please don't think I'm like saying, I make millions of dollars a year doing breath work. Cause that's simply not true. <laughs> but I have enough to be satisfied to pay my bills, yeah. to not want that extra. I don't need to keep up with the Joneses. I don't give a crap what they have. As long yeah. as they're happy with it. Good job. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, we, I think before the recording, we also talked about like quality of life, right? Like you could be making tons of money, but if you have no quality of life, what's the freaking point? Believe it or not, most of the people I meet who suffer the worst depression have the most money. Mm. 
they they're working they're working 80 hours a week um i had one guy scream that he was more successful and better than me he was on his fourth wife he didn't mm. have a relationship with his kids and i said well better is an interesting word do you mean more money because <laughs> yeah. yeah you do because i wouldn't work with him or his company right and he's like but i'm better than you and i'm like and that's why i'm not working with your company totally. there's no there's no better you're just different Mm -hmm. And you have a different set of values you're living by. And I hope you're living within them and it's working out for you. Totally. Something I work with my clients on all the time, right, is having them write their own definitions of success. Might look different than mine, than their parents, but I think everyone needs to take a few minutes every day, week, month, and define what success is for them. It's funny. Most people, when you ask them, they're like, I just want to be successful. What is successful? Right. For me, successful is a a good relationship with my wife, a mm-hmm. happy, healthy relationship. Does that mean we never argue? No, that that'd be a lie. Of course we do. We're different people. Um, to to be able to participate and experience my kids' lives instead of just you know that old oh I, I provide for them. We provide for them monetarily. Are you there for them in other ways? I'm not saying if that's if that's your value, that's your value, but. I wanted to be more involved. Mm -hmm. So my version of success is to have an appropriate work-life balance. And Mm -hmm. that's, that's a different balance than other people. My balance isn't 80 hours a week. And then I'll deal with my family on the weekends. My balance is to be able to spend time to go watch their performances, to go on a hike with them at a whim when we want Mm -hmm. to. That's my work-life balance. That's my version of success. It's a beautiful definition. I love that and feel similarly. Well, I mean, as, as we said, I like quotes. One of my favorites on success <laughs> is, is from uh, the Stoic philosopher Epictetus. Mm-hmm. And it's wealth consists not, of having, uh, not in having great possessions, but in having few wants. Mm, beautiful. And to, to just be like, okay, you know, I have what I need. I'm, I'm content with what I have. I have, you know, I have cars that take me places. That's nice. Sometimes they need to be fixed and that's not the funnest part, (laughs) but but, you know, I've got a roof over my head. I have enough food to eat and I have insulin. We're Mm. good. I mean, one of my favorite things in the world is to go sit in cold water. There's plenty of that. (laughs) Yeah, totally. And and, yeah, to go to cold places and to have other people go with me and I get to do that. So success. (laughs) Totally. All right. And I think that's a good place to pivot into cold water and Wim Hof because I have a ton of very like Wim Hof-y questions for you. Please. <laughs> okay. So first of all, right, you've taught, not you've taught, but Wim Hof has three pillars, right? It's mm-hmm. um, cold exposure, breathing, and mindset. So yes. I'd love to kind of go through each one, starting with breathing and, and for you to share how it changed your life. Um, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically, and like, what about the practice changed your mindset, your body, etc.? So, for for the breath work, to be able to accept whatever emotion or observe any emotion that comes forward was pretty awesome. Um, I was never able to meditate ever. I would like the the crashing symbol monkey would always <laughs> appear in my head, um, mm-hmm. or you know, a shiny squirrel, whatever. I just wouldn't be able to sit there and meditate. Uh Doing this breath work gave me that space. 
it, and I wasn't after the esoteric side effects so much as my blood pressure started dropping. I was in less pain. I was able to sleep better. And because of that, I had a deeper emotional well to pull from. Mm-hmm. Um, my wife taught me how to take an ice bath. I would sit there and I'd tense my whole body up and I'd just be like, tell me what two minutes is done. And I would endure it. And my wife taught me the concept of surrender, to surrender into the moment, to let the cold hit you, to slow your breath down and influence what you can influence and accept what is. It's cold. There's nothing you can do about it. Well, you can get out or you can calm your (laughs) breath down and just wait for it to be over. And, and now I don't even wait. I just love that feeling of that calm moment. Everything slows down. My breath slows down. And not every day. There are some days I levitate myself out of the water because it's just not the right space. And I went from going to feel better with the emphasis on better. And now the emphasis is more on feel. Can I feel better in my own body? Can I, can I see what's happening? And, and when you look at like mindset, Wim's Dutch. And in in the Netherlands, they have a very high quality of life. Very like very few homeless people. There's there's good jobs that are available, great training programs, all your basic needs are met, free healthcare. It's easy to have a positive mindset when all your basic needs are met. Mm-hmm. And that's where ACT really started to define what the third pillar could be. Mm-hmm. When You know, it is accepting where you're at. Are you moving within your values? Are you aiming for that psychological flexibility? And by sitting in the ice and becoming comfortable in the uncomfortable and dealing with stress, I'm aiming for that more flexible mindset. By doing the breath work every day, I I reduce the pain in my body and I lean again into the more flexible mindset. So by combining all three of these things together and then searching for the other tools, because Wim Hof is 20 minutes of breath work. Mm-hmm. maybe at most two minutes in an ice bath or five to 10 minutes in a cold shower, depending on what you're doing. What do I do for the rest of the day? We take 18 to 25,000 breaths a day. If that helps me for 20 minutes, what can I do for the other 23 hours and 40 minutes of the day? And this is where Buteco comes in. Right. Nasal breathing, oxygen advantage, sports Buteco. Um, all of the pranayama, kundalini breath works and, and, what tools can they provide? And, right. and I get to work with amazing psychologists and amazing doctors and physical therapists on, on how pain affects the mind and how, you know, pain is not a choice. Suffering from it is your choice. Right. So by, by employing all of these tools, I don't suffer as much as I used to. Mm-hmm. I find I have a bigger, more open heart, a, a, a sense of joy and freedom that I didn't possess before. Because I was stuck in that suffering, stuck in those mm-hmm. moments. So by stepping into my breath and appreciating what comes forward, I've learned not to force things in life. Am I perfect at it? No. Um, I've learned to surrender because of the ice. Am I perfect at it? No. I try. Mm-hmm. Um, I have been able to define my values. I've been able to mm-hmm. define success. I've been able to define what my goals are. And with the mindset and employing act along with it, I'm moving towards those goals using these tools I possess. And that's where those superpowers start to manifest themselves. Yeah, that's incredible. And so 
I want to get like super specific in how the breathing works. So for people who have never heard of Wim Hof or breath work, can you explain how the breathing works? And uh, the what science if- behind it or what we're doing? The, the science behind it. They can look at how to do it. Because <laughs> I feel it's, it's easier to learn by doing it than explaining it sometimes. Feeling is understanding. That's one totally. of Wim's best quotes. Um, so as we're doing the overbreathing, you know, the, 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 you know, if people call it superventilation, um, hyperventilation implies you are not in charge, but you're just breathing more than you need to, whether you're breathing in through your nose or out through your nose or into your mouth, out through your mouth, you're breathing in a circular pattern or not, not circular, but constant. Mm-hmm. Your body's off gassing way more CO2 than it should be, which is what people do when they mouth breathe anyway, which they shouldn't right. be doing. We'll talk so about that, that next. <laughs> yep, their veins constrict, the heart rate goes up, the blood pressure goes up, and you're basically stepping consciously into the sympathetic side of the nervous system, mm-hmm. the fight, flight, and freeze side of our nervous system. Mm-hmm. And then we exhale. We exhale comfortably. We're not <laughs> gasping. We mm-hmm. just exhale to that neutral state. We build up more carbon dioxide, the veins and arteries dilate, we're in a more parasympathetic state, so the pendulum swings back to the other side of rest, relax, and regenerate. With the abundance of CO2 we're then holding in our system, we take one breath in, the recovery breath, we hold it for 15 seconds, and in that place, because we have that high CO2, this is where we hyper-oxygenate our body. Because carbon dioxide is a mild acid, every round you do reduces reduces your body's overall CO2 saturation. So when you hear Wim say, ah, you temporarily alkalize the body, this is how we do it. And we don't know how temporary that is. Uh, It's 10 minutes to an hour. We're not certain. We don't know. But we do know we are changing our body's chemistry. So many of us live in, in, you know, too, even even a little bit in too far into the acidic state isn't good. We want our body to be balanced at, at a correct pH level. So by pushing yourself to the alkaline state for just a little bit, the body rebalances it neutral. So every day I'm rebalancing myself to neutral. And then the stress and the pain I feel pushes me deeper into the the acidic than I should. And then the next day I reset myself. And, you know, they've done so many studies. Go to WimHoffMethod.com and look at the science. We've got amazing studies that have been done by the Radbound University I think it was in Michigan, they, they talked about like how it's it's the cold is activating the periaqueductal gray in the mind. And it's just incredible what influence we have over our body when we step into the state consciously. So totally conscious mouth breathing. Okay. For a desired outcome, unconscious mouth breathing crap. Right. So I usually, when I practice Wim Hof every morning, I breathe in through the nose and out through the mouth. Does it matter if it was in through the mouth, out through the mouth? I know obviously not regularly, but for the specific time, does, do you think it there it matters? Well, I hope my mic can pick this up. So listen to the cadence of my breath when I breathe in and out through my nose. And we're just letting it go. It's fully in and then you just release the air. So that sounds like this. It's constant, but in, nose, out, mouth sounds like this. It's a markedly faster respiratory rate. Mm -hmm. And in, mouth, out, mouth is even faster. 
Now, how far into the sympathetic side of the nervous system are you pushing yourself? In mouth, out mouth is as deep as you can go. Okay. In nose, out mouth kind of puts you in that middle spot. In nose, out nose is, is not as deep as you can go. But if you suffer from anxiety attacks, panic attacks, that's the breath work to, to go for. Start with the nasal breath and get used to breathing faster than you need to. And then step into the high gear. It's, it depends. How far do you want to push that red line today? There is no dogma. Breathe however you want to breathe. If you want to breathe through your mouth because it feels right, do that. Let yourself surrender to that rhythm of your breath. If you want to breathe through your nose, breathe through your nose. What I like to tell people is in nose, out nose with a longer exhale can help you lead um, your body into a calmer mind and a more relaxed body. In and out through the mouth will lead your mind into a more energized and focused state. In nose, out mouth is kind of the balance between the two. But it's up for you to decide and, and to not be like, well, it has to be this way. It doesn't have to be any way. You just have to breathe. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. And another part of this that like felt super counterintuitive to me at first, and I had to reread this chapter in breath a bunch of times, the one with you in it, was to understand the relationship between oxygen and carbon dioxide and the body and how having more CO2 saturation tells the body, the hemoglobin to release more oxygen and yes. why that's beneficial. Can you kind of break that down a little more? Well, mouth breathing is the body always looks for easy, not optimum. Mouth mm -hmm. breathing is easy, but if you're off gassing more CO2 than you should, you're not getting the, the, the hemoglobin to release that oxygen and go into the musculature as freely, freely as it should. So think about this. If CO2 helps your veins and arteries dilate and your nasal breathing while you're exercising and your body and musculature is producing more CO2, that's opening those veins and arteries to make it a more effective highway. Uh -huh. So, you know, the heart may be beating a little faster because of your exercise, but everything is open and working at its optimum. You have a high saturation of CO2. You're breathing at what you metabolically need. So your body is absorbing the oxygen as it needs. Now, if you start mouth breathing and you're getting rid of more CO2 than you should, things are starting to constrict. The heart rate's still beating at that speed, but the highways aren't as – they go from like three lanes to two. Okay. So now you've got an extra stress on your body. You, you breathe 20% less nasally when you exercise than you do mouth breathing. So you're, you're, you're using your muscles 20% less. And 20% of all the musculature in your body is meant for breathing. Mm -hmm. So you're, you're, you're generating less CO2 in that manner. You're becoming more efficient and more optimal for it. And the catch 22 to all of this is what is your CO2 threshold? Okay. If your CO2 level hits a point that you're not used to because you haven't been working on it and say the average person's CO2 threshold, I'm making this number up. It has no bearing on anything whatsoever. <laughs> okay. should be at a seven and uh -huh. yours is at a two. When your body naturally tries to bring you to that state of, of holding your breath or, or an abundance of CO2, it bypasses the amygdala and you get a fear response right away. And your body says, breathe, panic. So this thing that's supposed to keep us calm, supposed to calm us down, supposed to optimize our body is now causing us stress and anxiety because we have been ineffectively breathing mm -hmm. for years sometimes up until this point. So, you know, people say, well, it can't be that easy. And to them, I say, go fuck yourself. Who said it was easy? It's simple, but easy is not the right word for it. 
You know, right. it's it's simple to be a fireman. Is it easy? No. Simply run into that burning building and go save those people. That's that's a pretty simple thing. That is not easy. Right. That takes right. a lot of training, a lot of practice, and a lot of know-how to do that. So simple and easy aren't the same thing. Right. And it is counterintuitive because we get that fear response and we have no control over it. We, <gasps> we mm-hmm. want to switch to what feels normal and natural for us. So if you want to go from a mouth breather to nasal breathing and you're practicing every day, I say give yourself six months to a year before you right. can perform at those elite levels. And that's not to say at some points you're not going to need to mouth breathe to off gas a little bit more CO2, but now you're doing it consciously instead of because it's just a habit. Right. And so the idea is like when we do the breath holds in the Wim Hof method and we're, we're building our CO2 tolerance and by that we're, we're increasing our capacity to handle feeling uncomfortable and feeling that stress. And by consciously practicing this, the next time we're in a stressful situation, when someone cuts us off in traffic, we'll be able to naturally react with a little bit more yeah. peace. The, is that the, the Wim idea? Hof, yes. The Wim Hof method is an aggressive way to build that. Okay. Now, freedivers and Buteco, they, they go a much more passive route. And it all depends okay. on what works best for you. If you have anxiety issues and panic issues, I'd start with Buteco and freediving and eventually evolve into the Wim Hof method. The mm-hmm. Wim Hof method is like the gym for your breath. And I take uh-huh. my breath to the gym every day. Right. But what am I doing for the rest of the day? And, right. you know, I can breathe in and out through my nose, exhale comfortably and see how many steps I can take today. That's building up my CO2 tolerance. I'm playing with it. Play with it. There's this thing called email apnea that, that James Nestor talks about where people are at their computer mm-hmm. and they just hold their breath. And if your CO2 level is low, instead of calming you down like it's supposed to, you you have this fear response. So, you know, practice breathe light from Buteco. Practice, you know, the if you like free diving, go to a free diving instructor. Um, mm-hmm. Find the method that works for you. And right. and pull pull from all of them. They're all beneficial. It's so many people will find one thing and advocate for that one thing. Mm-hmm. It's Never just one thing. (laughs) It's how many places can we pull from that I could find benefit? Yeah. So So practice the breath. Yeah, go ahead. For people who don't know what Buteco is or like they're like nasal breathing, what, what? Can you just break that down for them? Yes. So when you breathe in and out through your nose, your nasal cavity is meant to condition the air. If it's too cold or too warm, it warms it or cools it before it hits your lungs. Your lungs have the surface area of about half a tennis court. And when you breathe right in through your mouth, there's nothing that's conditioning the air. If it's too hot or too cold, that causes just a a little bit of trauma on the lungs. You're breathing faster than you need to. So you're not holding the correct chemical saturation in your body. You don't have enough carbon dioxide. You're not getting Mm -hmm. the right oxygen musculature exchange. There's another um, thing that gets added to our respiratory system when you breathe nasally called nitric oxide. Mm-hmm. Nitric oxide is antifungal, antiviral, antibacterial, and it's a vasodilator. So again, breathing in and out through your nose has so many beneficial effects, one right. of which is lowering of the blood sugar, or blood pressure, lowering of the blood sugar as well for diabetics. Um, not like massively and impactfully right away, 
But if you're breathing in and out through your mouth all day long, unconsciously, your body's going to be dropping a little bit of adrenaline into your system. Adrenaline carries glucose. And when you breathe nasally, that's not going to happen unless you're breathing really fast because you're, you're performing and you need the adrenaline. So nasal breathing, and it's not just breathing through the nose. It's are you breathing with your diaphragm? Are you getting that diaphragmatic expansion to pull the blood into the lower lobe of the lungs? To pump the lymphatic system? Is your chest expanding laterally and not rising vertically? It's that, that short mm -hmm. chest breath that gives you that tension right in the back of your shoulders and the base of your neck. It adds to it. Is your neck yeah. remaining soft? Is your tongue in the proper posture? It should be at the roof of your mouth. So this may seem like a lot to think about just to breathe through the nose. And that's just the beginning. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And right, Buteco is low, slow, and deep, right? Low, and slow, and deep. Nasal breath. In four, out six, you said, is like ideal. Oh, uh, well, in for five and a half, out for five and a half is is the balanced breath. Okay. In four, out six leans more into the parasympathetic. And right. to get the parasympathetic breath, the equation is one and a half times longer than the inhale. Okay. So, you know, in six, out nine, in eight, out 12. Just okay. finding that rhythm that works right for you. And you don't always... Please don't think that people are like, well, I should be breathing in four out six when I'm exercising. No, just try and keep it through the nose at that point. <laughs> yeah. And, and make sure you're breathing with your diaphragm. You're getting that, that lateral expansion of your diaphragm. The chest is opening like it should and your body's working like it should. And if you haven't been breathing correctly, we'll say 10 days. If you haven't been breathing correctly for 10 days, the average person takes 18,000 to 25,000 breaths a day. That's 180,000 to a quarter million musculature repetitions. When you want to talk about enforcing neural pathways, you just screwed yourself. And that's only in 10 days. So now imagine people who've been doing it for 10 years, 20 right. years, since they were kids. This, this, it is hard to change. And that's okay. And you, you probably were aware of this too. When you're trying to change your toxic behavior to more productive behavior that you wanted to do, your mind is sending you, I don't want to do this. Why are we doing this? This is wrong. Right. I want to go back to doing what we were doing before because it's familiar. Right. Your mind will not be your friend when you're trying to change these things. Logically, you can understand what's going on, but neurologically, your brain's going to resist this change in these new pathways you're trying to forge. And this is where the Wim Hof method is, is it shines. You just to become comfortable in the uncomfortable. To right. to thank the mind for sending me that warning, but to push forward anyway. Right. It's retraining your whole nervous system. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to in the um book, it talks about how for people who have like chronic health conditions like diabetes or autoimmune, other autoimmune issues, um, chronic illnesses in general. It says sometimes the body needs more than a soft nudge to get realigned. Sometimes it needs a violent shove, which is Tumo or Wim Hof. So yes. can you talk about the effect of like Tumo or Wim Hof for right, like type 1 diabetes or other autoimmune issues? Why, why is that beneficial for those? So for a lot of autoimmune illnesses, now, please, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a therapist. I'm just a dude who's been in a lot of pain and, and, and went through all this. The, the thing that exacerbates a lot of these autoimmune illnesses is inflammation. 
and stress. Mm -hmm. Practicing the Wim Hof method correctly reduces your body's overall inflammation and it lets you lean into a healthier stress to come out less stressed on the other side. So by reducing your body's inflammation, by deepening that emotional well, by reducing your blood pressure, by, you know, learning to breathe correctly when you're not doing the Wim Hof method, you can mitigate a lot of autoimmune symptoms. Um, as a type 1 diabetic personally, my blood pressure dropped. I'm not on blood pressure medication anymore. Um, I am more insulin sensitive because of the cold exposure. That's amazing. I don't have to take a lot of insulin to have a really good effect on my body. Um, even less now that the abscesses I had are, are clearing up and healing. And it's, it's just, you know, about reducing that overall body inflammation to reduce that front loaded stress to the nervous system and to be healthier on the other end because of it. And, and to realize that even though these illnesses and these diseases hurt, you don't have to suffer. And there are things you can do and take responsibility for that can be helpful. Unless you're epileptic or pregnant, don't play with this if you're epileptic or pregnant, please. Why not? Um, the, the, the method itself uh, causes undue stress on the fetus because of the high CO2 that we're holding in the body. And don't do it. It's not healthy for the fetus. Please, no, 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 no. And for an epileptic, it can elicit a seizure. So none of that. And, you know, never while driving in, around, or near water or anywhere where it would be unsafe, some people lose consciousness. So, mm -hmm. you know, this is not the method to practice while you're driving to work. Yeah. And so just what I guess to um, my understanding, so that by putting your body in this conscious state of stress and by practicing putting it in between the parasympathetic and the sympathetic quickly in when you're practicing the Wim Hof method, that what it puts chemicals out that are anti-inflammatory, which then mitigates the suffering of a chronic illness. Is that correct? Well, that's part of it. Um, okay. So the, the breath work itself releases adrenaline, noradrenaline, and an anti-inflammatory marker in your body called IL-10. So that, that right there starts to reduce your body's inflammation. So your, your pain level will drop just by doing the breath work. The, the cold reinforces that. When you take a cold, um, an ice bath, it releases endogenous cannabinoids, endogenous opioids. So you get serotonin, you get all these feel-good chemicals released into your body. And those anti-inflammatory markers from the ice bath can stay for up to six days in a healthy person. So one ice bath can benefit you for six days. So two minutes in cold can have an amazing effect up to six days later. I found if someone's in chronic pain or has an autoimmune illness, it's more three or four. Okay. Um, because our body uses those anti-inflammatory things to reduce reduce it. Now, if you want like all the chemical names and stuff, I'm going to have to go and, and get my notes and get my books and, and be like, so this is the exact one and this is how and this is when and this is what it does. But but just riffing off the top of my head, um, the breath work will help reduce your body's inflammation and then the cold will do that as well. Cool. Yeah. And it's also like, there's, I feel like so much buzz these days about like reducing cortisol, reducing adrenaline, being in this parasympathetic, but like you said, it's important, like consciously to put yourself in those states where they are released. So you learn how to manage them and short term, they can be positive. Just like you wouldn't run all day, but running for 30 minutes a day has a lot of benefits. 
Exactly. And, and so when you practice this method, people who don't practice this method and have that fear response and have that cortisol release, it takes a, a while for the body to, you know, level out from the cortisol. People who practice the Wim Hof method, our cortisol levels come back to normal much faster. Mm-hmm. So not only is our body, you know, releasing these things, but it's it's releasing them and we're, we're adapting to them faster and better. Right. So it's it's not so much about like, there shouldn't be any stress. Good luck. That that will never happen. It's to put yourself <laughs> in the right amount of stress. And, and like people who go to the gym all the time understand this. You don't do the stuff you do in the gym when you're not in the gym, but you do put your body in that stressed out state temporarily to grow stronger. And this is where the Wim Hof, that's why I say the Wim Hof method is the gym for your breath. Take your breath to the gym, work it out, breathe in a way that you don't normally breathe because you should not be mouth breathing or you shouldn't be breathing that quickly well, unless you're kind of running from something or after something. Right. But taking yourself there and putting yourself in that state consciously to come out stronger. It's a hormetic stress or hormesis. It's a stress that helps you in the long run. It's not a chronic stress, which is bad. We right. don't need chronic stress. Right. And, you know, you can't suddenly say, I'm going to make stress make my body awesome. No, that's not how that works. But what you can say is, I'm going to use this stress. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm going to use this stress to grow. That can mm-hmm. happen. Right. And it's it's the right type of stress, the safe type of stress, which is why we tell people not to spend more than two minutes in the ice bath. That's enough stress. Right. And can you share the um, experiment when they injected Wim with the E. coli? With the endotoxin? With the endotoxin. So, so they'd never seen before someone be able to control their autonomic nervous system. In the name, it, it, it doesn't imply that we can control it. And Wim said, well, I can... I can. And so they inject him with this endotoxin and he does his breath work and he doesn't have any of the negative side effects. And they go, you're, you're a genetic anomaly. And he goes, I have a twin. And he wasn't a genetic anomaly. His twin didn't have some of the markers he did at that point because he didn't do the cold exposure. Um, and then Wim said, anyone can do this. I can teach anybody. And they went, that's not possible. And so he took a group of people to Poland taught them the method and they came back and they were able to show that they could breathe off. Um, they would get injected with the endotoxin. They would practice the breath work sometimes for multiple hours, but they wouldn't show any of the negative side effects. The people who were given the endotoxin, but not the breath work, they all had a bad day. And the, the, so it's, and they still do it. They still, they, if they inject you with the endotoxin, you don't do the breathing, you're going to exhibit flu-like symptoms for a few hours. You do the breath work, it mitigates it and, and your body, you know, moves past it. And that's, yeah. that's incredible. We, until they were able to scientifically prove we could influence that, that was unheard of. Well, unless you're talking about yeah. some of like the gurus or swamis in India, they knew, Sure, but <laughs> <laughs> they've known forever. Yeah. And yeah. And do you think this is also like applicable to people who have like a chronic virus or chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia, that sort of thing? I've, I've worked with many people with fibromyalgia and I'm not going to say every single one of them is not in pain anymore. All of them have reduced pain and some of them have no symptoms until they stop practicing. Then they come back. This is a lifestyle. This isn't a one-off fix. 
You have right. to do this as a lifestyle choice. And viruses, I'm unsure. It depends on the virus and the person. Uh, chronic illnesses, though, this is I've seen a lot of help. This, yeah. this helps a lot of people in a lot of different ways. It helps diabetics. It helps people with uh, MS. It helps people with lupus. It helps people with rheumatoid arthritis, with normal arthritis, with mm-hmm. depression, anxiety. And the reason it, it's helpful is it reduces the body's overall inflammation. And inflammation right. is the number one, chronic inflammation is the number one cause of depression in the world. Mm-hmm. So doing our part to reduce that inflammation, that helps. And again, it's not a cure-all. It's not a panacea. It's not an instead of. This is never an instead of practice. This is an in addition to practice. In addition to the other things you're doing, this practice can help. And for some people, it can help an amazingly large amount. And for others, Mm -hmm. like with chronic fatigue syndrome, we, we would have to work a little bit slower to get to the Wim Hof method. We'd start probably Buteco there. Yeah. Um, because they're probably mouth breathing. They're getting adrenaline dropped into the system all day long and they're over, they're overtired because of it. I, I encourage all my clients to mouth tape so they're not breathing through their mouth at night and their body does what it's supposed to do. And if that sounds scary to you all out there, it's not as scary as you think. If you were to break yeah. your finger, you'd tape it to the next one so you wouldn't use it improperly. Same totally. principle for mouth taping. Just a little bit. It's all you need. Just a yeah. little bit. Just keep your mouth closed. Yeah. I, I want to book you for a session because I've been diagnosed with chronic fatigue syndrome. I had an appointment with a sleep doctor today. have tried a lot, but it, it's I, I definitely need more help. <laughs> and um, also, ha- like they've seen chronic Epstein-Barr virus mono. So there's some stuff going on. But I, I know this can be a big help. I just need to figure out the right way. Um, it's all a tool. We just need to tool. find the right tool that works for you. Yeah. And okay, I I know we've been chatting for a long time, but one thing I did want to definitely ask you is the impact of these practices on your brain injury, because that was a big Ah. part of my journey too. So it's immense, 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 immense help. Well, for the first three months after my brain injury, I forgot I was a Wim Hof Method instructor. So yay for that. So Um, it was after you became an instructor. Yes. Um... And it took me a while to realize that if I want better blood flow to my brain, I can't breathe through my mouth. And, and my mm-hmm. wife showed me a picture of when I was really hurting. I'm hunched over. Uh, I'm breathing through my mouth. My whole body is heaving. And you can see mm-hmm. the pain and discomfort on my face. And she's like, stop, just stop, sit upright. So I was able to sit upright. I was breathing in and out through the nose and my pain level just dropped. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not just breath work. The breath work was helpful. It reduced the pain. It helped me get better blood flow. I went to a behavioral neurologist to, to do eye therapy, to rehab my eyes because they weren't working well together. Uh, I me went too. to the Millennial, Millennial TBI uh, Foundation down in uh, San Diego. They did blood work and found my body's chemistry was way off. They helped me get that back in line so that the brain can heal better in the body. So the blood's chemicals are actually doing what it's supposed to be doing rather than exacerbating that injury. Mm -hmm. And the biggest thing these methods helped me with was to accept where I'm at today instead of waiting for who I was to come back. Mm -hmm. That that disparity of who I used to be to who I am now, I would drive myself crazy waiting for my old self to come back. Yeah. 
practicing these breathworks gave me the ability to accept where I'm at today and to move within my values to figure out where I'd like to be tomorrow to improve my health and wellness and well-being. And that's where it gave me my superpower around a head injury is mm-hmm. to accept where I'm at and to set goals on how to move myself further. Yeah. And and to be okay with being uncomfortable for a little while, to be okay with the fact, you know, right after my injury, I posted on, on Facebook, like an asshole, like, I'm going to get better as fast as I can. And someone posted, just get better. The speed yeah. is irrelevant. And that's, that stuck with me more than anything else. I don't even remember who posted that. You can even see as I'm talking that I am not home. That is not me. Um, yeah. And, and the brain injury, like to just calm the body down, to reduce the front loaded stress, to be able to, you know, lower my heart rate, to get better oxygenation of the tissues, to not always be angry and, and, and caught up in these emotional moments. That's what gave me the ability to heal. I would say I'm not fully healed four years later. I still have some, I twitch now. That's new. I never used to twitch before, but when I get stressed, I start to twitch. That's all sorts of fun. And the more I try and avoid twitching, the more it, 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 it happens. It's how it works, right? (laughs) Yep. So I think the acceptance that this teaches is what gave me the grace to move through these injuries. Right. And you think like a reason why, at least for me, like I had such extreme fatigue after the brain injuries because my brain wasn't getting enough oxygen and I was recommended to do a bunch of like hyperbaric oxygen chambers, but I guess you could those also were just amazing. Write... Those are amazing. Um, those, I've done, like, I've done them. High, oh my gosh. They clear the brain fog like that. Yeah. I need to do those. Um, but also, right. I imagine just having the breath holds and building up your CO2 tolerance so that you it can release more oxygen from your hemoglobin. That could be super helpful in itself. Absolutely. Breathe light. The breathe light exercise from Buteco mm-hmm. was, was magic in that time period. Cause I was building up my CO2 tolerance in a very calm, passive way with my head injury. If I started to breathe quickly into the Wim Hof method, it would, it would hurt. And I, I had to get to the point where I could do it comfortably before I could do it at all. Cause you never force anything. Yeah. And and it took it took a couple months of building my CO2 tolerance back up. But once it was where it should be, man, I dove right into the Wim Hof method. And I, I'd like to say it, it helped me come out the other side a, a better human being. Yeah. And did, do you feel like the cold exposure helped the brain healing? Absolutely. Absolutely. It reduced the inflammation in the body. Mm-hmm. And it allowed my body to be in a more... Um, fruitful state to recover because I wasn't always just ah it hurts it hurts it hurts I was I was relaxed enough when you get hurt so many people switch to mouth breathing and their body gets locked into the sympathetic state the fight mm-hmm. fight or freeze we heal in parasympathetic right so by applying these breathwork tools and and leaning into that parasympathetic side of the nervous system I was putting myself in a state to allow my body to do the thing it needed to do and heal that makes a lot of sense. And also with the um, cold exposure, you gain more like brown adipose tissue, right? Yes. Um, does that help with brain recovery and what effect does that have? That that makes me more insulin sensitive and it, it helps regulate your body's temperature and keep you more comfortable in the extremes. It 
it has five times more energy capabilities than white fat and it eats white fat. So, you know. Okay. All right. Well, Chuck, thank you so much for your time. Can I ask you like two rapid fire questions before you go? Just that I ask everyone. Please do. So what, um, first, like what is a tip that you would have for how to be lotus minded on a daily basis? And lotus minded is just what I call the ability to perceive every obstacle as an opportunity for growth or healing. Five times a day, stop what you're doing adjust your posture so that your shoulders are back, your head is up, and take five breaths in through the nose and lengthen that exhale. In four, out six, if you can't do it without needing to count. Do that five times a day. Okay. Instead of backpacking that stress with you all day long, give yourself that moment five times a day to let a little bit of that stress go, to check in with your breath, to breathe in a way that's correct, and to, to give yourself a little extra clarity. It takes one minute. So one minute, five times a day, okay. and that will help you instead of getting caught up in the stress and by the end being like, holy crap, it was a stressful day, being able to step back and, and give yourself that perspective and that, that, that ability to reframe these things. Beautiful. I love that. That's a great tip. Um, if you could talk to your younger self who was in the most pain, what would be something you would say to him or a lesson you would share with him? Nothing. I was a stubborn asshole and I wouldn't listen anyway. You know, most people will answer that way. <laughs> yeah. I, I I would, I would hope I would listen, but I wouldn't. Mm -hmm. Basically what I would do is be like, well, it's not going to suck this much forever. Have a nice day. Yeah. And then younger me would be like, fuck off. You don't know me. So I, I wouldn't try and say anything to my younger self, but it will end. And man, if you knew where this journey would end, you're going to love it. Love it. And what is one book recommendation that you think everyone should read? Well, Act Made Simple, second edition by Russ Harris, The Tao Te Ching, The Tao of Pooh, Breath by James Nestor, A Practical Guide to Breathwork by Jesse Coomer. <laughs> Those books. Okay. I'll put them uh, all or, in the notes. Yeah. yeah. Limitless by Jim Quick. There's so many good books. You can never just 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 one i know i know i should i should <laughs> breath by james nestor definitely breath by james nestor life-changing book beautiful and where can people find you connect with you if they're interested in learning more or working with you oh i'm on um instagram as iced viking breathworks um you can go to www.ivbw.com and that's my website um, every Sunday and Monday, I do free breath work Sunday at 11 a.m. Pacific, Monday at 9 a.m., 9 p.m. Pacific. And that's all on the Instagram page. It's always free and anyone can show up no matter their skill level. Amazing. I love you say all, all I charge is your time and attention. <laughs> yep. They're, they're your two most valuable resources. Yeah. Yeah. If you invest in yourself, you'll never regret it. It always pays off. Yep. Beautiful. Every time. Well, thank you so, so much for your time and attention. I'm so grateful to have been able to chat with you. Thank you so much. Thank you and have a wonderful day. You too. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Lotus Minded. I am beyond grateful to have you as a part of this beautiful community. It would mean the world to me if you could rate, review, and subscribe to Lotus Minded so that we can continue to share stories of strength, 
hope and healing. Much love until next time.